0: Seventh episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host Juliet Jesky. Each week, I watch and analyze a whole heck of a lot of Fox News, and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Last week, it was 20 hours. <laughs> Go Iowa! Let's get into it. Fox goes full Trump while freaking out over scandals that aren't scandals, and we're gonna start. With a folksy little segment about the Iowa caucuses.
1: Write down the candidate of your choice on that piece of paper, and then kind of get them passed forward, and we'll get those collected and counted. Courtney, this is really cool. Yes, Seeing it is. democracy in action. It is. But it takes a little longer than just you know pushing a button.
2: Yes, it does.
1: You're going to do the counting.
2: Yes, the counting is gonna be done back there and then I will uh, jump on the website and report our winner. We'll also announce it here tonight.
1: And the sooner I stop talking, the sooner you have the winner, right? (laughs) We will, yes. Okay. DeSantis, eight. Haley, 10. Trump, 29. (laughs) (laughs) Cross takes Des Moines, 62. We've been talking about it so long, it was great to see what it looked like. Ultimately, you know, they spent $125 million on TV ads through the cycle, and it all comes down to those little pieces of paper in that Ziploc bag. At the end, they added them up, and this is what it looked like. These are the official results From Des Moines 62, as you can see right down there, Uh, Donald Trump had 29, but then somebody uh, realized, wait, I didn't put my vote into the bag, and he wound up with 30.
0: Yeah, that was their little segment they showed the day after the Iowa caucus. And everybody on Fox is super excited about this. Like, look at this. This is democracy in action. Paper ballots. Paper ballots work. Who knew about paper ballots? I love paper ballots. And I'm sitting there going, wait a second. You're talking about a caucus in a high school gym and there's maybe 60 people in that room and they are passing around, if, you, if you're on social media, you probably saw the clips of people passing around like a paper bag, not regulated, just somebody passing around and people putting their little pieces of paper in it. And then another human being who, you know, I guess is trustworthy, was laying them out and just deciding, okay, this one's for Trump, this one's for DeSantis. What are we doing? This is 2024, we have lots of money, this is the United States, what are we doing? I am not a fan of the caucus system, I think it's ridiculous, because I don't think peer pressure really should be playing a role in voting. I think it should be, uh, you know, you can listen to the candidates, you can watch the ads, you can go to a campaign event, you can do research online, whatever. And then you make up your mind, you go into that booth, and you vote however the heck you want, and you don't have to answer to your neighbors or your friends or your spouse or anybody. And the reason why is because sometimes that peer pressure can be very negative. And why should they know? It's your business. So I'm not a fan of caucuses. You might disagree and that's okay. It's one of our weird things that we have in the United States. I'm a a big fan of just a blind vote. Nobody knows how you voted except for you. Primary, boom. (sighs) And I also think this system of like, this is not, This goofy, folksy silliness of passing a paper bag around a room, no, is not an advertisement or sort of, you know, boost for paper ballots. It looked ridiculous. And in New York State, we use paper ballots. We also use a scanner. So I get this giant, huge piece of paper. I vote how I want. I circle the little, I put the little dots on it. I hand it to somebody, I walk over to somebody, they show me the scanner, I put it in, and that it, it, they save the paper ballots as a backup, and my vote goes in the machine. Whoa! Amazing! We used to have the old school, like, click, 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 and then you took this huge thing and you go, Boom! If you're from New York State and you've lived here long enough, you know what I'm talking about. Super old school machines that I never was always like, am I using this thing right? I don't even know. And they're like, yeah, you got it. I'm like, did I? They're like, you got it. Okay. Now we got a really great system. So anyway, just saying, that's a little ridiculous. So last week, Fox News hosts went all in for Trump. So it's been real fun to watch. Sarcasm. While also hyping up a Treasury Department investigation into January 6th rioters, fears about the World Economic Forum, and a case before the Supreme Court about the Biden administration's alleged censorship of social media platforms the network also spent copious amounts of time bashing absolutely everything about president joe biden and vice president kamala harris the network promoted a poll that showed a 33 percent approval rate for the president while making outrageous claims that the former first lady michelle obama would challenge biden in some way sure and, I'm sorry, Just they just get so ridiculous. And as soon as Trump was declared the winner of the Iowa caucus, both Nikki Haley and Governor Ron DeSantis were diminished as possible rivals to the former president. The network instantly transformed into an unofficial wing of the Trump campaign. <laughs> it's going to be a long 11 months. <sighs> the network continues to mostly ignore the Israel-Hamas war, While PBS NewsHour dedicated 11% of its airtime to the conflict, the shows I covered on Fox News spent exactly two-tenths of a percent on the war. That's two-tenths of a percent. It was one and a half minutes again. While the network was promoting Trump, it ignored various updates in the war in Ukraine, a growing humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan, and a severe drought in Panama, which could affect the global supply chain shows i covered on fox last week fox and friends with additional hours on monday and thursday the five jesse waters primetime, and the 2024 election night coverage from iowa now i talked about this in the podcast i did about the iowa coverage but if this is going to be promoted until election day they are so very proud of it So on the night of the Iowa caucus, Fox News proudly debuted its Voter Analysis Survey. And they always called it by the full name. This is the Fox News Voter Analysis Survey. Fox News Voter Analysis Survey. And they have the full name across the top of this giant screen that acts kind of like a touch screen. And it's colorful. It's got a map of Iowa. And I'm sure it's going to have a map of New Hampshire and all this other data on it and, like, these these windows come out in these boxes of like this is how many voters like this and this is how many voters like that and it's this is part of a collaboration uh with the national opinion research center at the university of chicago for fox news and the associated press the network plans to use this tool for the entire election cycle in each state f NVA again, Fox News Voter Analysis, is comprised of probability-based interviews conducted online and by telephone with at least 2,000 registered voters. During segments on more than one program, Sandra Smith stood next to a giant touchscreen, which I just described, and would display various um, data from FNVA. It's so crazy, FNVA, to say that about likely Republican caucus voters in Iowa. On Monday, before the caucus returns were in, she scrolled through the data on Jesse Waters' primetime. She started her presentation by pointing to a graphic that was labeled MAGA supporters.
3: Three-quarters of them said that they went for Trump. He also did especially well among those without a college degree. RURAL REPUBLICANS, WHITE EVANGELICALS, AND YOU JUST LOOK AT THESE NUMBERS.
0: AND NOW I'M GOING TO CUT TO THE SAME TYPE OF PROGRAMMING THAT WAS DONE DURING THE IOWA ELECTION SPECIAL, AND THEN CUT BACK TO JESSE WATERS. YOU'LL HEAR THE TRANSITIONS.
1: FORMER PRESIDENT DONALD TRUMP HAS A COMMANDING LEAD, ACCORDING TO OUR FOX NEWS VOTER ANALYSIS, AS THE DOORS ARE CLOSING IN ALL OF THESE REPUBLICAN CAUCUS MEETINGS. HE HAS THIS DEEP BOND WITH GOP VOTERS HERE IN IOWA, AND PARTICULARLY, Rural Iowa voters
2: that the former president in Iowa tonight has really swept with all age groups. I mean, clearly strong with um, you know rural voters, voters who have lower levels of education. But more
3: than half of Iowa voters, uh, Republican voters, say nothing wrong with saw nothing wrong with his actions on that day. In the end, caucus goers did, however, say they want to see change. Almost all of respondents. Say they want at least substantial change in the way things are done in this country, with one third favoring complete and total upheaval. That is a lot to think about, Jesse, and that is brand new data for you tonight. I'll have much more on you later on, with our Fox News election special at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Jesse.
4: Total upheaval. (laughs) I guess we'll have to interpret what that means. But
0: I'm going to go ahead and interpret these um, clues that we're getting from this super-advanced Fox News voter analysis survey. This is what I think is going on here. So people who live in rural areas, like the middle of nowhere, who do not have a college education, who may have a GED, who might have just gone to high school, it's all good, whatever, are Trump's biggest supporters, and they want a total upheaval. Now, what are the chances that these same people have, I don't know, an arsenal in their basement. Probably high, probably high. This is a little alarming. It's a little alarming. And even Jesse Waters seemed to think it was a little alarming. He did kind of a wink and a nod with, (laughs) what could that mean? Well, what could that mean? Total upheaval. So we're moving on from that. And again, this voter analysis survey which I, I heard that phrase so many times last week, and I'm gonna hear it all next week, this week. <laughs> New Hampshire is tomorrow. Help me. Anyway, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough. So, um, hmm. So, I saw this in more than one show, but I, I saved the best example of it in that multiple Fox News hosts kept referring to the voter analysis survey, which was incredibly specific to likely caucus voters in Iowa. Okay, that is very specific. Someone in New York City, San Francisco, Boston, Baltimore is probably gonna vote very differently than a likely Republican caucus goer in Iowa. But the Fox News team didn't seem to realize this. They just kept citing this survey As if it was all voters. And here's a great example of this. This is Sandra Smith again. She was a guest host on The Five. This is the day after the caucus. And I have to set this up a little bit. So they were showing... It was kind of like this segment I just called Biden bashing because it started off like, Biden, he's horrible. We hate Biden. We hate Biden. Oh, he's so bad. And then they show a clip from ABC News of Vice President Harris saying... And she says, um, we've beat him before, and we'll beat him again. And she's talking about Trump. That's it. That's the whole clip. I didn't even include it in the audio because it was so quick, and it's not from Fox. And then this is the response on the five, and it starts with Judge Janine, moves in Sandra Smith.
4: Where does she get that confidence, Sandra? She, he's a 33. I think she's less. Well, and insulting the MAGA
3: movement, considering six in 10 caucus goers— considered themselves in our Fox News voter analysis uh, supporters of the make America great again movement 74 back Trump 74 uh, percent back Trump um, it's bold uh, where does she get the confidence I don't I don't know makes it up maybe I don't know um, it's an interesting strategy it's if you don't have the if you don't have the policy issues to tout this mm-hmm. is the this is the route you take and I think that's fair to say a lot of what we're gonna see heading into November yeah
0: So that one's kind of subtle, but I was a big speech and debate nerd in high school. And why am I telling you this? Because one of the things (laughs) I was sort of trained to do, and I kind of learned trial and error, is you have to spot a logical fallacy. And she just dropped a huge one. So Kamala Harris is talking about the country as a whole. And she says, you know, we beat him once, we'll beat him again. I'm confident, I'm confident. And then Sandra Smith, Cites data from a specific population in Iowa who said they were likely to vote in a caucus and who also said they were Republican. Those people are going to vote for Biden anyway. They're not going to vote for Biden on on the best day, no matter what. Everything could be going amazing. the day before the election, and they're still not going to vote for Biden. Okay, so using that data is wrong. It doesn't make any sense. Because, of course, Republicans are probably not likely to vote for Biden. People who go to a caucus are, like, hardcore, as most voters don't do that. That's like, you're getting the the people who are, like, truly driven, because that's a process. So, and they went in a blinding snowstorm. So, okay, okay, Sandra Smith, let's rethink that. So next up, and this is, we're going to have to be enduring a lot of this, and I'm going to find new ways to make fun of it because it's the only way I'm going to survive it and probably the only way uh, you, my audience, will survive it. Uh, you have to have a healthy sense of humor when dealing with incredibly bleak situations. Now, Fox News has always been right-wing. They've always been openly shilling for Republicans. They pushed hard for uh, Trump in the past two elections. Even though I I don't know if they were really feeling it. Uh, I've definitely seen some back and forth on the network this election cycle. But they're all in now. It's over. We're going to have to just endure this until November unless something absolutely crazy happens. So on Thursday on Fox and Friends, Ainsley Earhart, she didn't even try to hide her bias. And this is basically a campaign ad for Trump. I'm laughing to keep from crying because that's how blatant this is. And again, I don't think um, these people are horrible human beings. I think Ansley Einhardt, if she walked into a room and was like, hey, and had like a box of muffins, we'd probably all hang out with her. We'd drink coffee. We'd get along. I don't think she's a horrible human being. I think she works for a horrible network. And I think she means well. But boy, this is whew, this is rough.
2: Lawrence, when you go to these diners, they really? all say border is an issue, yep. the economy's an issue. Both of those were better under Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. When you have to choose between Joe Biden, who doesn't stand up for our country, who world leaders don't, they're not intimidated by him. They were with Donald Trump. When you see what Vladimir Putin did to Ukraine after. After uh, Donald Trump left, when you see what happened in Israel, when you hear China threatening Taiwan, mm-hmm. those that was not happening under Donald Trump because world leaders were terrified of him. Mm-hmm. Moms are worried about national security. I'm sure mm-hmm. men are too. We're worried about who's in this country. Donald Trump at one of the rallies this week said that there are terrorists in our country. we're finding people on the border that are on the terror watch list. All of these things were better under Donald Trump. So when it comes to some, some people say we didn't like his rhetoric on Twitter. When you think about protecting our country, that trumps, right. no pun intended, all of the but, other stuff that he was writing on Twitter, because yeah. we need a strong president.
1: Right. Say-
0: Part of the reason why I let her off the hook a little bit is I do think she's a true believer and that I'm not, again, I think she truly believes in Donald J. Trump. Not that that's a good thing, but I think that that's in her heart she's the real deal. She's not craven like most of the people on that network who will just say anything, anything, if they think it'll give them ratings or more money or more power, or more clout. That was way too authentic. I also think she probably did kind of work on that and, and was like, what am I going to say about Trump? What am I going to say about Trump? May have gone over it a few times because she really wanted to get her pitch out. Now, imagine the Today Show or Good Morning America and the equivalent happening. You can't because it wouldn't happen. <laughs> an, an anchor on the Today Show spending a minute and a half just praising President Biden like that. Like he is the greatest president we've ever had and yeah i just made that person southern because i just heard a southern person but you know we had all this fear and anger in our country and then he was elected and it all went away and everybody looks up to him and the economy was great and unemployment dropped and we started to improve our relations with other countries that were damaged by trump and then people started to believe in him and that we had the lowest black unemployment in the world in, in the history of this country And even though inflation spiked as it did globally, it did drop pretty quickly thanks to the Federal Reserve. And hopefully we'll get it down to 2% and everything will go back to normal and interest rates will continue to. I mean, I'm just riffing, but like, could you imagine somebody saying that? No, you can't because that person would be fired if they did that. And if that happened, Fox would take the clips and they would show them for weeks afterward. They'd say, look at this. Look at this biased journalism on the Today Show. How dare they? But they think nothing of doing it themselves. That's Fox. That's the warped reality of Fox News. They don't care. Now, I... Just looked at the next one, and it's a bit of a doozy. (laughs) I'm like, this one's going to take a little bit of explaining. So before I go into that, I want to give a a shout out to my sponsor. And who is that sponsor? That would be the readers of my newsletter and the listeners of this podcast. That's right. I'm 100% crowdsource funded, which is not easy. I worry every single month. That I'm gonna lose followers or or something's gonna happen and this whole thing's gonna collapse. I hold on for dear life. Let me tell you, but I am very proud that I am community supported. And how do you become a sponsor? You can go to Substack for Decoding Fox News. You can go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. And paid supporters and paid subscribers get exclusive content. It varies. Um, and if you can't. Become a financial supporter of this project. You can share the podcast, share the newsletters, tell your friends. That also helps tremendously. I also want to give a quick shout out to people who bought stuff from my Amazon wish list. Thank you so much. The first, I just used first names for privacy reasons. The first one is from a woman who's got a really cool last name. Um, probably looks Eastern European or German. Uh, her first name is Doreen, and she bought... Um, some cat food for the cats. We have David and Kathy, first names only. Bought some snacks. We also got some cat treats and coffee from Brett, and we also got cat food from Elisumo. I hope I'm saying your name right, Elisumo. That's very. It sounds español. I have one joke in Spanish, and I'm going to say it right now. Me llamo Julieta, no Chuleta. No necesito Romeo. Romeo es problemas. And what did I just say there? In my hack Spanish, I said, my name is Juliet, not pork chop. I don't need a Romeo. Romeos are problems. I picked all of that up working at a restaurant in New York City. And that's a whole other story, which I'm not going to waste your time on, but it's true. Uh, If you work in a restaurant in New York City, you will pick up Spanish. I don't care who you are. You will pick it up. Julietta, they'd say, Julietta, Julietta, mi Romeo, mi Romeo. And I'd say, no necesito Romeo, no necesito Romeo. Back, so there you go. So uh, this next one is a doozy. I hate stories like this, but unfortunately, this was a big one last week, it was in the top five. Uh, here we go. The World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. It's tinfoil hat time. So the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, WEF, was held in Davos, Switzerland last week, and nearly everyone in the right-wing media universe freaked out about it. Conservatives and right-wing extremists claim the WEF is some sort of Machiavellian secret society hellbent on the creation of a single global government that will crush capitalism and turn everyone into bug-eating socialist worker drones who will make their own Overlords Insanely Powerful. wish I was kidding. In reality, the WEF is a meeting of some of the wealthiest capitalists in the world who very much want to continue to make money and keep free market systems humming. This year, WEF attendees included 1,600 business leaders, 350 heads of state and government ministers, and hundreds of academics, Civil society leaders and entrepreneurs, according to reporting by Quartz.com. There were a lot of speeches, meetings, seminars, and not much else. The WEF doesn't have any actual power. I know I'm shocking you. Ele- <laughs> I just hate this. Elected officials might leave with a change of perspective about food insecurity, international trade, artificial intelligence green energy, regional conflicts, the health of the global economy, or climate change, but there's no enforcement or mandates of any policies or laws. Every year, the WEF comes out with a theme, and in 2020, during the height of the pandemic, it was, quotes, the Great Reset. Uh, Professor Klaus Schwab, head of the WEF, described 2020 as, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world to create a healthier, more equitable, and prosperous future. The goals of the Great Reset were far-reaching but extremely vague. It was largely a lot of lofty ideas and nothing else. Conspiracy theorists from both the left and the right took this theme and ran wild with it. Many have claimed that the lockdowns during the COVID-19 pandemic had nothing to do with stopping the spread of a deadly virus, but were designed to control the populace long enough to reshape society and enforce total government dominance over everything. Fox News hosts, this is why I'm talking about this, have fed the right-wing version of these theories. Laura Ingram and Jesse Waters especially love to weave this nonsense into their nightly primetime shows. Last week, there were several segments related to the WEF, but Jesse Waters summed up his paranoia best on Friday on Jesse Waters' primetime. To the left of Waters' face, the producers placed a graphic of two hands holding what looked like a bowl of fire, along with the word Davos Deception. Waters found a way to make the annual World Economic Forum meeting all about Trump.
4: Oh, the old CIA Jedi mind trick. Label everything that gets in your way, like Trump or the truth, as Russia disinformation, which is a national security threat, and so therefore must be destroyed by the all-encompassing power of the national security state. Question the election or the effectiveness of electric cars? Now you're a national security threat. And you're on the list like the parents who raise their voices at school board meetings. So You know what just would make everything much easier? If we just stop resisting and submit to mind control.
0: So there were several segments about the World Economic Forum across Fox last week, because that's when they were holding it, so of course we're gonna talk about it. And it is a ridiculously goofy uh, conspiracy theory. What was happening is he was taking clips from what looked like a seminar, and a woman was actually warning about technology that could sort of predict or guess at what people were thinking, and she was saying how that would be an invasion of privacy. Show that to Jesse Waters. That gets twisted to they want to read your mind. She was saying the exact opposite in the clip, but okay. What's super goofy about the World Economic Forum is Laura Ingram, probably more than anybody on the network, promotes it. Tucker Carlson used to as well. Jesse Waters has also kind of picked it up the rest of the network will sort of mention it, act like it's menacing or all-powerful, but they don't go nearly as deep down the rabbit hole as those two. There's also, just for the heck of it, a left-wing version of the conspiracy theory about the World Economic Forum, and that it's that, you know, similar, and that it's like they want one government, which is nonsense, and they want to control everybody, and but they want to turn everybody into, like, capitalist they want to break our spirits and again everybody's working for a capitalist monster government whereas the right-wing version is they want to turn it into a socialist government if you read anything about the world economic forum it's all about a free market and entrepreneurism and money and the people who go there are ridiculously wealthy the world economic forum actually used to be criticized for being too capitalist and it's in switzerland one of the most capitalist countries on the planet. If you, there's like a, a ranking of capitalist countries in the world and Switzerland's usually at, right at the top. If it's not number one, it's in the in the top five. One of the main industries in Switzerland is banking, which is, I don't think you could get more, you know, capitalist than banking. So anyway, people just totally misunderstand what the World Economic Forum is. So, so next up, this one's a little complicated too. So gonna take a little bit of explanation. On Thursday on Fox & Friends, Steve Ducey and his co-host discussed Representative Jim Jordan's request for a transcribed interview with a former Financial Crimes Enforcement Network official for allegedly flagging consumer transactions that had the phrases such as Trump or MAGA in them. Jordan and the Judiciary Committee's select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government had obtained documents showing that FinCEN outlined typologies of persons who might be connected to the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. This was not entirely new news, as it was widely reported in February of 2021 that some major banks voluntarily shared customer information with the federal government as part of their investigation into crimes committed by rioters on January 6th. Most of the information that I could find about this latest chapter of this possible scandal was on far right wing news sites. That's a that's a red flag that that this is really not much of anything. Most media companies have completely ignored the story. So on Fox and Friends, discussions about Jordan's request were featured in the first and third hour of the morning show. I happened to pick up extra hours of Fox and Friends last week kind of by accident, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go through them. Uh, so the first hour opened with a short segment led by Fox News correspondent Brooke Sigman, and Steve Ducey uh, was the first anchor to push back about the story a little bit, as he does.
1: Sounds like it was all part of the federal investigation, but, but Brooke, this all happened. Uh, During the Trump administration?
2: Sure, it happened in the days after January 6th, of course, which was just two weeks, I guess, before the inauguration, January 20th. That is part of the Trump administration, maybe the Biden transition team, but I don't think that's really the issue here. Donald mentioned
1: uh, Cabela's and Bass Pro and uh, Dick Sporting Goods. Mm -hmm. All places I shop at. I was (laughs) at the big one in Kansas City uh, a couple weeks ago. You know what uh, Bass Pro, Cabela's, and Dick Sporting Goods all sell? Bear spray. Remember all the, you, there were uh, a number of police officers, uh, federal officers who were attacked allegedly, and some people have been convicted since then because they used bear spray. Yeah. So maybe they were simply, you know, it seems like you attack a federal officer, there's going to be a federal but investigation. Steve, would-
0: I just want to point out that Steve Ducey is 100% correct. This happened during the last days of the Trump administration. Not Biden. Biden had not been sworn in yet. Biden was not the president yet. Now, uh, the feds were looking mainly for Zelle transactions, and that's sort of, a lot of Zelle transactions are basically, it's similar to Venmo. It can be. I don't care for Zelle. I have a credit union, so I use Venmo. Um, But you can, basically, you go out to dinner. You don't have cash. You say, here, I'll send you 30 bucks for my part of dinner, or Thanks for coffee, here's five bucks. You know, that sort of thing. And people will write little notes. So they were looking through the notes if people were writing stuff like MAGA, Trump, that sort of thing. Now this is a little later on. This is a much longer segment that I cut up. Um, Ansley Einhart weighs in.
1: Obviously, people
0: are sick of yeah, first right. censorship, now they're looking at your
2: bank account to determine what you're buying at a sporting goods store.
1: Well, that, and as Brooke said, that was during the Trump administration. Yeah, so. but it wasn't Trump no, doing was, it. It was the Treasury Department well, pushed forward by the investigation arm of the Treasury. It was separate from Trump. You do not tell me Trump was looking at Trump. They're investigating no, 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 January 6th. I, I, I'm just saying it was during the Trump years, part of the executive branch. But part yes. of part of like what we're trying to find out is why the FBI was going after the the then president. What was going on? It seems like our our FBI and even the CIA was looking into our current president more than they we're looking into outside threats. Mm-hmm. Then then the current president, now the former president.
0: So there's a couple things to unpack here. Now the first is Brian Kilmeade, in his little rant, keeps saying that oh they were looking into Trump and how, why were they looking into Trump? That's not correct. At no point in this segment about this alleged scandal did anybody say that the FBI or CIA were looking into Trump, um, the president. No, not at all. I don't know where he's getting that. So it's also interesting to note that Fox hosts, and this is wild because they've been doing this for months, have repeatedly portrayed Trump as some sort of hapless ruler who didn't seem to know what was going on in his own administration. And this would be another example of that. So how could Trump be an efficient and effective leader while also unwittingly being the target of intelligent agencies in his own administration? I'd love to know. (laughs) Like, how do you not know? I mean, what's going on? Like, you're this mighty leader, but you're also a victim while you're being a leader. Okay. So according to Representative Jordan's accusations, the then Sen program was directed at the January 6th rioters, not Donald J. Trump. And, of course, he says the same thing. Now, at this point, I don't know if a producer told her to do this or not, but Ansley Anhart picks up like her clipboard and just starts reading off her notes because this is confusing. What are they talking about?
2: TRUST the, them YOUR INFORMATION. THIS IS UNDER THE TREASURY DEPARTMENT. IT'S CALLED THE right. FINANCIAL CRIMES ENFORCEMENT NETWORK, FINCEN. AND IT'S A BUREAU OF THE U.S. TREASURY DEPARTMENT THAT COLLECTS INFORMATION ABOUT FINANCIAL tra- right. uh, TRANSACTIONS IN ORDER TO COMBAT DOMESTIC AND INTERNATIONAL MONEY LAUNDERING, uh, terror financing and other financial concerns. Yeah,
1: this is how we took down Al Qaeda.
2: I just hope. Uh, and
1: stop funding uh, Hezbollah good, here at home. Such a good point. I hope they're looking at all these little jihadis that are marching around our streets in D.C. Right. and New York and planning protests, uh, pro Hamas stuff. Are they looking at all their financing? Yeah, who's financing what we're seeing right. now, the raiding Sloan Kettering? Right. Who's paying these people? Yeah. U- ultimately, though, it comes down to did what this fence in, Do wasn't allowed by law because if you've got your bank Mm -hmm. uh, and probably some other banks as well just voluntarily uh, giving this stuff up, it's probably it would. And I I don't know. Jim Jordan has put a lot of stuff out there, but not a lot of details. We don't know if it was legal and Mm -hmm. if it was legal, apparently they They can do it. And when you sign into a new account. In terms of service you know you're gonna abide by federal laws maybe this is one of them
0: now what's amazing about that and you can't see it because is audio not visual is how especially on Kilmeade his face lit up when he realized that this is one of the tools that they used against al Qaeda and they did oh and they did uh, Jones as well he immediately oh why aren't we using this against the jihadis they probably are um trust me they probably are. Now, one of the things, and you may say, oh, that's government overreach. You don't agree with this. Got it. But I'm just saying that this is this is a government program, and this is used against domestic and foreign terrorists. And you may have the opinion that this is, you know, a wild overreach of the government. That's fine. But I'm just sort of explaining what this program is. Um, I did look into his claims about al-Qaeda, and I found the motherlode of... Uh, primary sources, which is linked in the newsletter, which goes back to a presentation by the FBI explaining this at length. It was before it was called fensen but it's basically part of the whole program. And they went into, now this was after the fact with the uh, 9-11 terrorists, but they opened them up like a tin can. They knew where they had accounts outside of the US they had all these accounts in the US they knew specific transactions they knew what they spent their money on they knew where they were getting their money it was they knew how they walked into the bank because they usually didn't do it by themselves um, they didn't speak English well so they would come into the bank in a group they used uh, very large banks they didn't use small banks it they 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 got it down to like how many travelers checks they had it was completely um, just hyper focused. And again, this was after the crime. So something like that would not be nearly as helpful after a crime than before the crime, but it did help them kind of track the whole network down. And I don't, I'm not an expert on, uh, you know, intelligence agencies in Washington. I was just basing this off his comments about Al Qaeda and I could track it back as far as uh, this statement that I read It was 10 pages. Was written about a year after 9/11, and they'd had all they obtained all this information. I don't know how much further back it goes, but they were talking about it. And they they called it a tool and said how useful it was, and it was part of um, the Patriot Act. And again, you could be very critical of this tool and say this is awful. They should have no right to do this. I get it. I understand that criticism, but I did want to point out that on Fox they were perfectly, you know, outraged by this program until they realized it was used against Muslim terrorists and then they had no problem with it whatsoever. They're like, "Oh, hey, I get it." <laughs> and I was like, sitting there going, "What?" I mean, you could see the look on their face change on a dime. See, I don't that's scandal that's not a scandal number 2. I mean, it might be depending on how you view government overreach, but I, I were laws broken? I don't know. I don't I think do see summed it up pretty well uh banks can do all kinds of stuff to you they can kick you out as a client if they think that you're going to hurt their reputation they did that a few years ago to a bunch of right wingers right wingers freaked out years before that they had done it to um sex workers and these were sex workers who were not doing anything illegal so that was the controversy there like if you are a porn if you are an actress who appears in porn that is legal work and so uh some of these big banks were like kicking them out and they were saying, well, we're worried you're going to be money laundering or whatever. And there's, you know, controversy over that. I, it's bizarre, but banks can kind of do whatever they want. And the attitude is, well, you can find another bank. You get to keep your money. They give you your money. You just can't use them as the bank. And this next one is a, another scandal that's not a scandal. This involves Judge Janine getting a little confused on the timeline about the Hunter Biden laptop Scandal. I didn't catch this one until today. I was going through making another edit, and I went, what did she just say? Here's the clip. This is from... This. Tuesday on the Five.
4: And yet, the United States Supreme Court is about to rule on the Biden administration and the fact that this case, I think it's a uh, Murphy against the state of Missouri because they literally are censoring us and suppressing the free speech. And they say Trump is Hitler. The Supreme Court is now going to decide whether or not they were involved, not just in the suppression of the 2020 election in that laptop, which we know based upon. People who voted, they would have changed their vote, which would have allowed Trump to win. But it was a coordinated campaign by the Democrats, by the White House, by federal officials to impact social media, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or X, to make sure that we are censored, that our private speech wow. is censored.
0: So I genuinely think uh, Judge Shinin Pirro was confused. I've seen people correct her on this. I've seen her double down. Like, how dare you correct me on this? Like, she just doesn't get it. So here we go, quick timeline. October 14th, 2020, that's when the Hunter Biden laptop story was published on the New York Post. And then it was briefly suppressed on Twitter. Social media kind of freaked out about it because they thought it was fake. And then it, it eventually just came back. And interest in it actually shot up because it was suppressed. And uh, Philip Bump over at Washington Post has a great graph. I've included it in my newsletters several times. It's brilliant. He shows the um, Google searches for the laptop. And it was like after it was suppressed, the Google searches went sky high and then went down again. So, oops. Yeah, that's what happened. So, again, October 14th, the article comes out. When was the presidential election? November 3rd. So, like, about two weeks later. November 7th, four days after the election, Biden's declared the winner. He's not sworn in until January 20th. So I don't know how of the next year. So I don't know how a presidential candidate would be able to direct any federal agency to do anything. So let's just, what are you talking about, Judge Jeanine? What are you talking about? Um, the Murthy versus Missouri case is a real case, of course. She's not incorrect there. It's not about the Hunter Biden laptop. It's about uh, Biden's administration's relationship with social media companies. It's very complicated. I included a link if you want to read an article about it, but I I didn't go into too much depth because I just don't have the space. Um, Next up is the last clip. It's about Madonna, of all people. And this is what caused me to audibly scream. I literally just screamed. I just went, stop it. Just stop it. Come on. Just stop
4: it. And, no, I've, I've seen her years ago. I'd seen her, and I agree with uh, with Martha. You have to grow old gracefully. You can look healthy. You can try to look hip and young and all that, and take care of yourself, but, I mean, she's ridiculous.
0: Judge Jeanine Pirro, ladies and gentlemen, is 72 years old. Nothing wrong with that. No shame. She looks 50. Why? Because she's probably had every procedure known to man done to her face it's very obvious and there's no shame no shame in that game her body her face her choice she can do whatever she wants i don't care it's a free country go for it but don't criticize madonna for having too much plastic surgery when you look 22 years younger than you should she does it's crazy. i was like stop it just stop it and I'm sure her hair is naturally that dark at 72. Come on. <laughs> like, come on. By the way, just want to say this very quickly. I have no idea what's going on with Judge Jeanine, but I used to work on film and television, and I saw A-list actresses. I'm not going to name anybody specifically. And a lot of them have incredibly expensive, hand-sewn, custom-made wigs. They do this because when you start to get older and your hair is gray... When you're constantly dyeing it and styling it, it ruins your hair. So they just wear really expensive wigs. They're easier to style. They always look perfect. Boom. And before I go, I'm going to do a quick Judge Janine. That woman who does that podcast, who sometimes thinks she can imitate my voice, when she can't. That's a terrible impression of me. I don't sound anything like that. I, my voice is much higher and more delicate, and I don't sound like a living battle-axe. Anyway, okay, so there's your Judge Janine for the week. So next up, before I run out of time, stories Fox News ignored. Every week I compare the hours I've watched and analyzed on Fox News to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following is a list of stories PBS covered that Fox News did not. We start with climate disasters, a severe drought in Panama has forced authorities to reduce traffic in the Panama Canal. The drought has been attributed to the El Nino weather phenomena and climate change. Moving on to updates in the war in Ukraine. In what is considered a major blow to Moscow, the Ukrainian military said it shot down two Russian command and control aircraft. The planes help orchestrate Russian troop movements on the ground. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky appealed for help against Russia at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Anyone who thinks this is only about us, this is only about Ukraine, they are fundamentally mistaken, Zelensky said in a speech at the Swiss ski resort. In Moscow, Russian President Vladimir Putin declared his forces have gained momentum in the war and insisted Russia will not give up any territory in Ukraine. A Ukrainian drone strike in an oil depot inside Russia caused a massive fire. Zelensky has vowed to hit more military targets inside border regions of Russia. Now on to the rest of the stories. Officials at the UN's World Food Program warned that not enough humanitarian aid is getting to the people of Gaza. Aid agencies blamed a lack of border crossings, slow Israeli inspections, and a lack of trucks inside Gaza. The Gaza Health Ministry has reported the death toll from the war has topped 24,000. A car ramming attack north of Tel Aviv killed one and injured 17. Police say at least two Palestinians intentionally drove into pedestrians and then stabbed several people. Authorities believe the suspects were from the West Bank. Officials from UNICEF said that nearly 100,000 children in Afghanistan are in dire need of humanitarian aid following the powerful earthquakes in the region. At least 21,000 homes were destroyed along with health facilities and schools. In Guatemala, Bernardo Alviero, a progressive, has officially been sworn in as the new president, despite attempts by members of Congress to delay the process. Arevalo vowed to tackle corruption, extortion, and poverty. PBS produced an extended segment this week about the $100 million grant awarded to the United Negro College Fund for Historically Black Colleges and Universities. The donation from the Lilly Endowment is the single largest unrestricted private grant in the organization's history. Diabetics will see a break in their out-of-pocket costs for insulin. Three major pharmaceutical companies have capped insulin copays at $35. This is after the Biden administration's cap on the price of insulin for Medicare users at the same price. PBS produced another segment of a series on America's youth mental health crisis. Last week's segment focused on how a high school in Wisconsin is using peer support, school staff, and psychology researchers to help students with mental health challenges. The House Ways and Means Committee voted 40 to 30 on a bipartisan agreement to expand the child tax credit and restore some breaks for businesses. Lawmakers are hoping to pass it before tax filing season starts. The shooter at a Colorado Springs LGBTQ nightclub, Club Q, has pleaded guilty to federal hate crimes. Anderson Aldrich has already pleaded guilty to murder charges. Aldrich pleaded guilty in exchange for federal prosecutors dropping the possibility of the death penalty. A federal judge blocked JetBlue from buying Spirit Airlines. The judge said it would hurt competition and drive up prices. The airlines are appealing the ruling. Qatar brokered a deal that would allow a shipment of medication for residents of Gaza and Israeli hostages. The agreement included delivery of medication to Israeli hostages in exchange for humanitarian aid and medicine for Palestinians. According to China's National Bureau of Statistics, the country's population has declined two years in a row. Birth rates have declined and death rates hit a 50-year high. The Biden administration has proposed new regulations on banks that would limit overdraft fees. The proposed change by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau would cap fees at $3, which would cost large banks billions of dollars in revenue. Last week, the Supreme Court heard arguments in a case between fishermen and the federal government that could severely weaken the regulatory power of federal agencies. The case involves a doctrine called chevron deference. Activists and healthcare advocates have been pressing the government to enact a ban on menthol cigarettes ahead of an FDA deadline. Black community leaders staged a mock funeral outside the White House for the 45,000 Black lives lost due to tobacco-related illnesses each year. Menthol cigarettes have been aggressively marketed to the Black community for decades. The online home goods retailer Wayfair announced it would lay off 13% of its global workforce. The company has struggled since sales surged during the pandemic. The department store Macy's plans to close five stores and lay off 2,350 employees. The company plans to cut some of its management staff, add more automation to its supply chain, and outsource some positions. Japan became the fifth country to land an aircraft on the moon on Saturday. North Korea tested a nuclear underwater drone. The test was seen as a protest of joint military operations by South Korea, the United States, and Japan. PBS produced an extended segment about Ryan Corbett, an American who has been wrongfully detained for over 500 days in Afghanistan. Corbett worked in the country for over 12 years with NGOs and small businesses. He was arrested and detained during a visit back to the country. The State Department is working on negotiating his release. That's all the stories. There were a lot of them now. Moving on to buy the numbers. So every week I compare the top five topics on Fox News to the top five topics on the PBS NewsHour. Let's start with Fox. Here we go. Number one, Republican presidential primary, 23%. Trump, 2024, so the Trump campaign, 9%. 8%, Biden bashing, so just ripping on Joe Biden. 7%, border crisis. And 3%, the World Economic Forum. PBS NewsHour. Top five topics, same week. We start with Israel-Hamas war, 11%. Trump 2024, 9%. Artist profile, 9%. That's a regular segment. Republican presidential primary, 8%. And finally, author profile. That's various authors talking about their books. I want to just talk about a difference between Fox. When they reported on Trump's campaign, they blatantly shilled and promoted the candidate. When PBS talked about the Trump campaign, of course, they did not do that. One of their long segments that took up like half of that 9% was actually a long piece about Governor Sununu's strange relationship with the president where he's very actively saying he doesn't like Trump, but then says he would vote for Trump. So that was bizarre. That was like a 10 minute segment. I was just sitting back going, this is so weird. So I included that. And they talked about the possibility of another Trump presidency, things like that. It definitely wasn't shilling for Trump, whereas Fox openly did. So now we go on to words used on Fox News for the week ending January 21st, 2024. Number one, Trump at a staggering 714, Biden. 457, Iowa, 446, Haley, 242, DeSantis, 219, so just under her, border, 186, immigration, 83, Hunter, 55, Iran, 52, Israel, 50, pointing out again, Hunter Biden had more mentions than Israel, crime, 49, inflation, 27, China, 24, Vivek, I always check his first name because his last name, the AI doesn't always pick up how it's pronounced and it gives all kinds of goofy things with Ramashwami. Paper ballots, four and AOC, one. She made the list again. She always does, almost always does. So that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to become a paid subscriber to Decoding Fox News, you can find me at Substack for Decoding Fox News, Patreon for Decoding Fox News. I'm also on TikTok instagram also same name threads which i'm loving uh and youtube and facebook those are both by my name juliet Jesky. juliet spelled like Romeo and Jeski spelled j-e-s-k-e thank you so much also from the podcast mascots odin and thor we do have i do have an amazon wish list that's mostly for them it's cat food cat treats i think all the treats have been bought still some cat food left and some snacks for the human who feeds them. And that's about it. Thank you so much for listening. I have no idea if I'm doing one about New Hampshire or not. We'll see how it goes. I'll see you at the next podcast.